So as you probably noticed in this reading, Paul is really grateful for the Philippians. Um, He likes them a lot, and you can really see that. He has a strong affection for them. And as he's closing this letter out to them, he thanks them specifically for a, a monetary gift that they've sent him. He's grateful for their partnership and for their support, and he wants to make that extremely clear. And, and that's really his goal in these last verses of Philippians. But in the midst of thanking the Philippians, he also writes some really, really important things about contentment. He thanks them, te- but he also thanks them, telling them he's grateful, but he makes two extremely important clarifications. In verse, in verse 11, he, he says this, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Yes, thank you for your gift, but not that I absolutely needed your money because I have learned to be content no matter what. In, ver- in verse 17, he, he follows up. This is so good. Not that I seek the gift, but the payment and more. I, w- I am well supplied having, I'm sorry, that's verse 18. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Not that my goal is money itself, but the goal is the fruit for what's going to happen because of the money you gave, and you get credit for that. Why, so why is Paul making these disclaimers, these, these clarifications? It's because Paul does not want to risk people wondering about his motives. He did not want anyone to think that he was traveling around and starting churches and then going back around to encourage them. He did not want them to think for one second that he was doing all that for the money. Now, he's not, he, he, was, he was concerned, but not just because he didn't want people to think badly of him. He was concerned because he did not want them to think, that he did not want people to miss his message, miss the gospel, because they were wondering about his motives. And, and this makes sense to us. The quickest way for a preacher, for a pastor, for, for a well-known Christian to lose influence with people is, is for it to come out that they're just doing it for the money or for the attention they receive, Right? I mean, we have pastors right now who are saying, hey, I need you guys to buy me a $54 million jet. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, praise God. And by the way, if you listen to a pastor and his last name's Dollar, probably not a good idea. Anyways. (laughs) Or yen or pound. (laughs) Anyways. Um, So no one wants to listen to someone like that, someone who is in it for the money, for the attention, for, for the pulpit, for just, for just the fact that they get noticed. No one wants to follow that, and they shouldn't. So, so Paul is trying to make that as clear as he possibly can. And yes, he is thankful for the support from the Philippians, and yet at the same time, he had absolutely no need for it. He has learned to be content no matter his situation. So in explaining why he is content, this is where we can learn a lot on how to be content. So before we jump into commitment, we should probably just stop and, and for a moment and recognize that life is sometimes chaotic. That's the reality of life, that sometimes life is chaotic. At times, our lives are chaos. At, le- at the very least, we can all admit that life is inconsistent at best. And, and maybe it's really not chaotic for you all that often, but we certainly all say that circumstances in our lives change. And and. and you know, we have good things happen. We have some kids who are graduating high school. That's a good thing. We have people who are having babies. We're kicking babies out like it's our job right now here. That's a good thing. But then we have bad things. 
We lose our jobs. We lose our houses. We lose the ones we love. We've lost people in this body in the last year that we loved. It happens. That, that is the, the, flows, the, the flows of life. Sometimes we're happy. We're really high up. We're, we are excited about what's going on. But then sometimes we're depressed and we're down. Life as a human being is inconsistent. Maybe it looks something like this. I don't know. I don't know what everyone's situation is. But again, life is inconsistent, yes? Yeah. And Paul himself knew this. He wrote in verse... He wrote in verse 11, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. Do, do you see that? He, he knows the ups and downs of life. And he follows up in verse 12. He says, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And, and we, see, we see the ups and downs he's referring to. He's probably talking about things far lower and far higher than the things we usually experience. I, I would wager to guess that most of us do not go hungry. You can tell that I don't go hungry. And I would also wager to guess that most of us have never been flogged. I would venture to guess that, that none of us in this room have ever been flogged. And if you have, come talk to me, and I apologize for making such a poor assumption. But I, 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 think, I think I'm pretty right. And Paul knew about ups and downs. Yet he wrote here about being content. In the midst of this life that is inconsistent, this life in which things change sometimes quickly and sometimes drastically, the question is this. How do we become and how do we stay content? How do we become steady people who reflect our steady God and who are satisfied and content? How do we use Paul's words from chapter 3? Press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Because that's really all, where all the ups and downs of life are headed. Yes, we face difficulty. We face extreme difficulty. We have had bad things happen and we respond by being sad or frustrated. And yes, we have good things happen too. But what does it mean to be steady and content in the midst of all that is not in the midst of everything, and not everything about us changes with our circumstances. In other words, when things are going well, let's say we're happy, we're, we're living, we, we feel like we're living with purpose, we're trying to be obedient to God and even trying to influence those around us with the gospel. But when things aren't going well, when we're sad, we feel like we have no purpose, we become indifferent towards Jesus, and we stop caring about the influence we stop caring to influence the people around us with the gospel. Or maybe there's another, maybe there's another group. Maybe, maybe it's the other way around. Things are going well, and things then become different when it comes to your faith. You, you become indifferent towards God because that's not really an, an immediate need for focusing on that right now. Because things are going well. But when things go badly, then it's, I need the church I need the encouragement. I need to focus on finding my joy in Jesus. Different people respond to things in different ways. But if we're, if we're honest, these last two are not where we want to be. They're not. So, so it's funny, especially how gathering with the body of Christ, coming to church, is inconsistent when we let our lives, 
when we, our life's circumstances control what we do. Letting life's circumstances control you is not a life of contentment whatsoever. It's not a life of true and lasting satisfaction. And this is how the vast majority of the world lives their lives, making decisions and letting their entire lives be driven by their emotion or whatever, whatever is happening that very day. Paul, however, gives us the secret. He calls it the secret to contentment. And it, it kind of reminds me like a, of a bad weight loss commercial that's like, oh, lose 50 pounds in 20 seconds. It's not going to happen. Sorry. It takes, it takes work. It takes hard work. However, Paul has a secret to being content in about three seconds. And, and he's learned in whatever situation he is be, to be content. And in every circumstance, and, and here's a secret, verse, verse 13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, I would wager to guess that a lot of guys this weekend took this verse out of context. Like, Nate's probably into the barbed wire, and he's like, I can do all things. Anyways, uh, so when he says all things, we know that Paul is including here some of the hardest things that, that come up in life because he was just talking about ups and downs. He said, I know what it is to be brought low, to be hungry, and to be in want. So what's the secret in the good and bad? I can do all things. Meaning the good and the bad, the ups and the downs, the good times, the bad times, moments that bring life, moments that bring death through Christ who strengthens me. And, and it's not really a, it, it's an awesome secret that's not really a secret, right? We, we know this. We know that Jesus is our joy. He is our rock. And not only do we stand on him and have our eyes set on him in the middle of all the chaos of life, but he's the very one strengthening, giving us the strength in the middle of it all. I can hunger because Christ strengthens me. I can be in want, wanting or even needing more than I have because Christ gives me strength. I can be brought low because Christ strengthens me. He is the source for our purpose, for our joy. No matter where I happen to be in the moment, no matter where we happen to be in the moment of life, He is our purpose and joy. Verse 11, and again, in, every, in any and every circumstance, I have learned to be content. This is not only a verse for when life is going well. I just want to bring that up over and over this morning. This is not for when things are going well. This is for when things are going bad as well. Contentment does not mean that life is carefree and you have everything perfectly balanced and in order. It, it doesn't mean that. Life... You can have things out of order and unbalanced and still be content. Life can be chaotic. You can struggle with having things balanced. But in, in, in the midst of those stressful times, you are still resting in Christ. You are still resting in Christ, content, knowing that he is the one who strengthens you. It, it, and it reminds me of, of a similar verse in Romans chapter 8. So if you want to jump over to Romans chapter 8 with me, we're going to pick it up in verse, verse 36. As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. 
No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. In all things. So he, he writes about facing death. In all things. Sickness, job loss, betrayal. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. The, the secret is this. Christ died for you, absorbing God's wrath on your behalf, and rose again, conquering and defeating death. That not only saves us from the penalty of sin, that reconciles us to God. This newfound relationship with God, only, only, only found in Jesus, that sustains us through all the twists and turns and chaos of life. It sustains us towards the ultimate goal, which is maturity, which is becoming more like Jesus. He has saved us and He sustains us. It is all God's grace towards us in Christ. And this is why we have joy in Jesus. This is why we have contentment. Because all the things we think we need and the things that we are covetous for, they're all lost compared to Jesus. They are rubbish. They are garbage at best. And, and you remember in chapter 3, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Indeed, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. So how can we be content? How can we be steady in the midst of all these ups and downs? We value Christ above all else. We value Christ above it all your job your house they can be taken away your loved ones can be taken from you sadly pretty much anything and everything in this life is uncertain but christ is certain christ is certain it, i could just stop right here and be done right there christ is certain in all aspects of life this is why this is why paul follows up what we just read in Romans 8. He says, even as we're considered sheeps to be slaughtered, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We, we read that, but guess what follows in Romans 8? Our certainty. So, and we can be certain about such in life. And we're going to pick it up in, in verse 38. Mm, this is so good. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, not height, nor death, not anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That is our strength. That's our contentment. That's our joy. We, we, when you rest in Jesus, you find your identity, you find your significance and joy in him. And the more you will be steady and content no matter what is going on in your life. That doesn't mean there's not stress. That doesn't mean there's not anguish. And that certainly does not mean you have everything balanced and perfect in life. It means you're content and resting in Christ. Himself as he strengthens you in the midst of all the chaos. And this contentment is remarkable. It's indescribable. It's the very similar to the peace that transcends all understanding in Philippians 4.7. So, here's the question. Another question. Why are we not content? Maybe we really think we understand this. We've, we've heard it before. But, but if we're getting right down to the, to the heart of it, 
Why do we still so often feel unsatisfied? Here's why, and, and maybe it's a bit, you're, maybe you're expecting this answer, maybe you're not. The enemy of contentment, the reason why we still struggle with being content, we don't believe that Jesus is enough. We don't believe that Jesus is enough. We, we may believe as in we acknowledge, and, but, but we don't really believe that Jesus is enough. And, and, and maybe you get that. And, and you know, maybe you sang the song even, Christ is enough for me. Christ is enough for me. Everything I need is in you. Everything I need. Maybe we sing it. Maybe we tell it to others that Jesus is enough. But in our heart of hearts, in our minds, we struggle with truly believing and living and resting in the sufficiency of Jesus. God has promised us eternal life, which started when we became Christians. The moment, the moment we came to saving faith, he promised us eternal life. Life spiritually abundant and life eternal started when you were reconciled to God. He has promised everything we need in Jesus. But we really don't trust in the promise. We don't believe that God will be everything we truly need. Jesus is our treasure. He is our treasure. But sadly, we think we need more treasure. We think that we need earthly treasure but we don't. Even though we see God's promises fulfilled and clarified throughout all of Scripture, we struggle with really believing it, that He is enough, and we all struggle with this if we're really honest with ourselves. And I'm just going to stop right here and admit, this is me too. I struggle with being content. And I am so grateful that God is faithful when I'm faithless. I am so, so thankful for that. I, I, was, just, I was just sharing with, with Pastor Nate, um, I'm going to be 32 next Sunday, and I would say for the first time in, in 32 years of life, I really feel like I'm at a place of contentment on some level. I'm not a content person. I struggle with wanting more and, and struggle with wanting, wanting things I don't need. And I would encourage you this morning, when you get home, take some inventory of your life. Look at what God has done because he's faithful when we're faithless. So th this, this, this morning with me is, is, is not a shaming thing. It's not, you're not content, feel ashamed. It is, you're not content, but God is still faithful. He is still so faithful. And this is where our contentment rests. 2 Timothy 2.13 Even if we are unfaithful, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. You can be content this morning because that when you're not content, God is faithful. And you can praise God for that. Verse 19, right here in Philippians 4, we see the promise yet again that God will meet our needs. Verse 19. And my God will supply every need of yours according to the riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And another translation puts it this way. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Do you hear that? Jesus is our joy. Jesus is our rock. Jesus is our burden bearer. Jesus is our contentment. And now Jesus is our very treasure. 
He will supply all our needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us. How? In Christ Jesus. He is enough, church, and I pray that if you walk away with anything this morning, it's that he, that Christ is enough. He is infinitely more than enough. When we forget the value of what we have in Christ, we start to become less satisfied. We start looking elsewhere, craving craving other things to fill the void that nothing else except Christ can truly fill. And then when we do that, the exact opposite of contentment starts to happen. It starts to show up. The exact opposite of contentment is this. We start to covet. A desire for wealth or possessions or really anything that we don't have because we think we need it in order to be satisfied. Our stomachs become our God, if you remember back to Philippians 3.19. We keep feeding ourselves everything that the world has to offer thinking that it will satisfy when in fact it only brings temporary false relief. And then before we know it, guess what? We're empty. We have to feed it again. And on and on and on this nasty cycle goes. Feeding our flesh. This craving for satisfaction. When we're brought low, we're going through a rough time, we think that the only thing that will satisfy us of getting out of this loneliness is fixing whatever it is. So that's where our minds are, where our focus is. But then when good things happen, it's usually not enough. And if if we're looking to satisfy our longings, getting here when we're, we're up in the high times, the better times, then we've forgotten that it won't deliver. We we have this false sense that it will deliver when it can't deliver. Because even when we're up here and we're at the highest of highs, guess what? We want more. Or we want to do do all we can to protect everything that we've gained so that we'll never be brought low again. Again, this is not a life of contentment. Even if we feel like we have enough while in the good times, we'll be constantly afraid of losing it because we're, all, we're holding on to it. We're, we're clinging to it like it's, it's something of real value when it's not. This is something we all struggle with. I struggle with this. This isn't a select few of us. This is all of us. And most of the desires we want aren't bad in of themselves. I want kids someday. This is not an invitation to ask when we're going to have kids, but I do want kids someday. That's a good thing. My wife wants kids someday. That's a good thing. I would love to be debt-free. I would love to pay our mortgage off in 10 years. That's a good thing. And, and some of the things that we, like I said, some of the things that we want are good. Maybe there, there, maybe there are some of us who, who want to get married. That's a good thing. Maybe some of you want your husband or your wife back. That's a good thing. Maybe you, as a parent, want to provide better for your family. That's a real good thing. We, have, we can have many other wants and desires, but guess what? There's nothing wrong with wanting things you don't have. There's nothing wrong with that in of itself. The problem comes when that desire turns to coveting. When you're not content and you're not satisfied until you have all the things you want. 
and it starts taking up your thought life as well. You think about it a lot. Perhaps it really becomes a distraction from what matters most. If you're at that point, that's a problem. And the problem is, is that we have forgotten or at least been distracted from the treasure we have, that treasure being Christ Jesus. So, how do we find contentment? What should we do to stay content? It's a simple answer, yet it's profound, and we need to hear it every single Sunday when we gather. How do we find contentment? We look to Jesus. Lift our eyes and set them on Jesus. Every year, every month, every day, every week, every hour, every minute, we look to Jesus. God will supply all our needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Church, look to him. He is more than enough. And and listen, I, I don't want us to miss the framework in which Paul writes this entire letter. He's writing to a local church, just like us. Paul is explicit about this. It's implied everywhere that Christians... Christians need to be actively a part of the local church. In every phase of life, before and after, during every big shift in life, when nothing seems to be going on in life, we need the church to help us in setting our eyes on Jesus, the one who saved us and sustains us. We need the church. We need each other. And I will say this, the most important time to gather with the body of Christ and set your eyes on Jesus is when you don't feel like it. On those Sundays when you wake up and you don't feel like it. Now, I will say this, I do think there's, there's, there's times to miss. I do think that there are certain circumstances where you probably just need to, and it's okay, but surround yourself with the people of God. Find those people here that you can confide in, that you can lay it out to. Because if you're trying to, to lone wolf this thing, you will fail. We need each other. We need to carry one another's burdens. No matter where you are on the spectrum, the ups and downs, the best thing for you to, be, to do is to be with family, is to be with God's family. That's why, we, that's why we're so focused on being a family here at Highland Gospel Community because we see how important it is to be with family. And as a family, maybe we'll help, help bear the burdens. Maybe we won't do that too well sometimes. Maybe we can encourage you, and maybe we won't do that too well sometimes. The one thing that we will absolutely do every Sunday, every time we're together, is to point you to Jesus. If we don't do that, I'll be out the door with you looking for a new church. The moment we are not pointing you to Jesus is the moment that we have truly, truly failed. And I don't think we're going to do that because I know that we show up here every Sunday, Pastor Nate points you to Jesus, Pastor Mike points you to Jesus, because that is the job, is to point you to Jesus, to point ourselves to Jesus. That's your job as well, is to point those around you to Jesus. And the people around here will fail you. The leadership team, in some way, will some way fail you. But we don't come here to find our hope in each other. 
You hear that? We don't come here to find our hope in each other. We come here to set our eyes on the only true hope. And that's the God-man Jesus. That's it. It's only true hope. He is the only one who will never, ever fail you. Paul writes this church in Philippi because he knows them well and loves them. The affection that he has for them is intense. It's everywhere in this letter, and I don't want us to miss that as we, as we finish the letter from Paul. The significance that this personal letter is to a local church. I don't want us to miss the vast majority of references to a church in the entire New Testament referring to a local gathering of believers. The, the universal church matters greatly to God. You can find so many great resources online from the universal church that will help you in your faith. Uh, right now, media, you, you have all these, you have, you have so much access to stuff, so much good access, podcasts, video, but nothing can replace the significance of the local church in the life of the Christian. Nothing can replace the significance of the lo local church in your life. That is why you need to be plugged into a local church. I'm sorry, but watching church service online every Sunday is not church. Don't, don't say that you go to XY church that, that you watch online. You don't. Find a local church. Get plugged in. Find people who love you. And we're all here. We're all, we're all gathered. And we're all, a lot of us are plugged in here. And that's good. Because this is where we find contentment. Finding ultimate satisfaction in him, it takes effort. Just pressing on to the goal in general takes time. But contentment especially takes time. Paul says this in verse 11. I have learned to be content no matter the circumstances. Then in verse 12, I've learned the secret of being content in every situation. This is the apostle Paul, hero of the faith, standard for most Christians. Yet he had to learn how to be content. Learning takes time. It takes a lot of time. And guess what? He learned it with the love and support of the Philippian church. He learned it with the, the love and support of a local church, even as a missionary. He wasn't a resident member. He wasn't a family member. But guess what? He was loved and supported and spurred on by the Philippians. We need each other. We need each other to spur each other on. We need each other to help us set our gaze on Jesus. I don't know how many times I can say this this morning. We need each other. And, and I love putting verses 13 and 14 together. I can do all things through him who strengthens me, yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. Did, did you catch that as we were reading earlier? I can do all things through Christ. He strengthens me, but man, it is good to have the church here for me. Christ's bride, bride is pointing me to Jesus week in and week out. Y'all are pointing me to Jesus week in and week out. And we need to be pointing each other to Jesus week in and week out. When we like it and when we don't. In the good times and the bad times, when the church is good at encouraging you, and, and honestly, when we're not so great at encouraging you. If you're a guest this morning, welcome to Highland Gospel Community. We're imperfect, and we're going to fail you. 
We will. We're not going to put that on the website, though, because that doesn't look good. <laughs> but let me tell you the one thing we will not fail at. We will not fail in neglecting and pointing you to the only one, Jesus, who will never fail you. We will not neglect to do that. We will not fail you in that. Because, because honestly, he is the only fountain here. He is the well that will never, ever run dry. My bucket, the deacon team's bucket, the elder team's bucket, Mike's bucket, Nate's bucket, has a bottom. We can only serve and love you and give you so much. But there is no bottom to the love of our Father for his children. For you and me, there is no end to it. He is the well that won't, won't run dry. He will supply all our needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Stephen, you can come up. So don't just feel guilty when you want something different than you have because you know you should be content. Instead, move your gaze to Jesus. Everything else is a loss compared to the surpassing value of knowing him. He's the only treasure that we're ever going to offer here. I promise you that. He is our joy and he is our life-changing joy that is found in Jesus, in Jesus only. Let's pray. Lord, I don't know everything that's going on in everyone's life. We all have different situations, different circumstances, but I do know we do need to, that we do need to have each other, and I do know that we have the same Savior. Lord, I pray as a church that we don't fail to look to you. I pray we point each other to Jesus Lord, I pray as a church that we find our joy in Jesus. Lord, help us to point each other back to Jesus, the lasting contentment, the only lasting joy. Lord, I pray that if there is anyone in this room who does not know you, that you would just save them in the seat that they're sitting in, that they would submit their lives to you, that they would find their true meaning, that they would find their identity in you and you alone. Lord, we are grateful. We are thankful for who you are. Lord, we love you. And it is in your name we pray. Amen.